This is the Hunt, Fish, Conserve podcast, hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swenson. Hey, Ethan, Tyler. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Kyle. Would you just like to start out your experience of all the places you've been to? Because I know you've been kind of around around the world a little bit. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess I'll start off my sophomore year of college um, when I went off to study abroad in Ireland. That was kind of like my first experience spending an extended amount of time outside of the country. And I went over there originally by myself, but there was a, a big um, group of people from Iowa State that came with study abroad, uh, about like 20 people. And um, they were all kind of cliquish and I was too with them. And at some point I realized I wanted to kind of get outside that group and really get to know the, the people in Ireland. So I, I did that a little bit and got to travel through Europe, uh, Germany, Eastern uh, Europe, um, in Prague, Czech Republic, uh, Spain, and went down to Morocco for a week, which was probably the coolest experience I had that year. Uh, just solo trip through Northern Africa. Oh, wow. Um, I really enjoyed that because it challenged me to try to communicate, uh, without using language. Cause I didn't speak, uh, Arabic or, uh, very little Spanish. They speak some Spanish, but I, I struggled in that. So I, it forced me to kind of get outside of myself and um, try and communicate in, in a new way. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, like, would that be an experience like the study abroad that you'd recommend to everybody? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know people like, especially like even like a major like yours, you studied mechanical engineering. I mean, you got that to fit in your schedule. I know, like, I think you had to stay an extra semester though, right? Um, so I actually, I got all the credits I needed okay. that semester. I, I guess I got lucky because there's a lot of people who kind of got screwed over by studying abroad, but that wasn't my case. Um, and my roommate, my freshman year, he actually really wanted to study in Spain. And the reason he didn't do it was because he was afraid it would cost more money. And actually going to Ireland, the tuition was cheaper um, to go there than to pay a semester of out of state for Iowa State University. Yeah, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, that's really crazy. Like 3000 cheaper. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised more people don't do that, but many more people don't realize it. I feel just like travel in general just has a stigma around it where it's expensive. But I mean, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, even like when you would fly, because like, would you, you'd fly all over in Europe, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like the flights are like relatively cheap, right? Compared to America prices, correct? Oh yeah. There's um an airline called Ryanair and I think it's, yeah, it's an Irish airline. You could take like a 12 euro round trip to the UK from, from almost any big city in, in Europe. So that's really cheap versus in the U S to get from Chicago to Florida, maybe a few hundred dollars. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's just a, that's just crazy numbers when you put that in perspective like that. And like, was that like an every weekend thing you were gone? No, no, not every weekend. Not I every wish. Week. But <laughs> still had a budget and and school, so I would say every other weekend. <laughs> so, like, what was one of your favorite experiences over there? If you can kind of narrow it down to one. Um, the trip getting to Morocco, probably. Just like the experience of getting there. Y- yeah, because. I went to Spain originally. I wanted to check out Barcelona and um, I really wanted to go through Morocco. I was kind of inspired by a guy I met um, to travel in Morocco and I looked at flights and the flights were crazy expensive. Like from Barcelona to Marrakesh, it was like 600, 700, which is a lot for, you know, a college student studying abroad. So um, I ended up taking a boat um, and it was 24 hour boat ride from Barcelona to Tangier, which is in the northern tip of Morocco, through the side of the Mediterranean. And uh, there was a bunch of Moroccan fishermen on that boat, probably like a hundred Moroccan fishermen and some of their families. And I'm just this one, this one white dude, just like tagging along, hey, what's up? Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to get to uh, Morocco. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was kind of that. And 
I didn't realize I, I was getting dropped off in a city where there's terrible public transportation. There's no Uber. There's none of that. I had to end up hitching a ride to Shaolin, <laughs> which is like a four hour drive. So you mean and like literally like you were saying on the road, like hitchhiking? <laughs> yeah. Oh my the gosh. They understood the thumb in the air. So that was good. That's like a universal symbol, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Saved me. <laughs> yeah, so you, you talked about the big language barrier. What was one of your ways of communicating with everybody? I use Spanish to communicate. So uh, people in Morocco speak maybe two to three languages on average. Oh, wow. Um, almost all of them speak Arabic because that's the country's native language. And uh, some of them speak Spanish and some of them speak French as well. And so um, I know a little bit of Spanish. So I use that to kind of get my around, my way around with directions and, um, you know, knowing where to go and small talk, getting to know people. Um, that was kind of what saved me because I didn't have a SIM card for the first two days. So I didn't have any data on my phone. So that was kind of like a big help knowing a little bit of Spanish. So we, are you fluent in Spanish or no? Or are you just... No, 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 I'm not fluent. Okay. Okay. And you said this was all solo? So I, yeah, it was solo. And I ended up meeting up with a friend um, in Marrakesh during the last two days. Okay. So what was like the perception of Americans there? That's a good question. Um, I didn't really get any funny looks. Yeah. Every now and then there'd be like a beggar or someone just running up to me like, wants to get to know me or say hi or, you know, just cause you're a traveler, you look a lot different than most people they see every day. Right. That happened every now and then. Um, is there anything else that like stands out from your European travels then? Yeah. In, um, in Munich. So I went to uh, the English garden in Munich and I was surprised by um, how they had the layout in that garden. There's a river that goes down the middle of it. And on one side, it's fully clothed families, like, you know, just chilling, having picnics, drinking wine. And then on the other side, it's naked people just you know, bathing, bathing in that side of the river, just laying down getting the sun. And they're all nude. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, this is normal. Here. Imagine this in the United States. Oh, no. It would be like crazy. Yeah. You didn't join? You didn't take a bath? No, no. <laughs> that was too early in my travels. Too early. I bet you would now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> but uh, before we get into like one of your next travels, um, which is Thailand, I remember hearing about this trip. Like I remember we were hanging out at your apartment and like you come in because we were like your roommates with Dylan at the time and you come in and you're like, I was like, oh, what's up, Kyle? And you're like, and we're talking about, I think because when did you go? Was it spring break or no? It was winter break. Winter break. 2018. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what are you doing for winter break, Kyle? And you're like, oh, I'm going to Thailand. I was like, what? what? It's like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't know anybody else doing anything. So like hearing somebody go on like an interesting experience like that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a really fun experience. I was, I kind of caught the travel bug when I went and studied abroad. So um, that summer after studying in Ireland, I worked an internship. So I had a little bit you know, money saved up. And, and then I decided during the, the semester following that internship that I wanted to go to go to Asia. And so I booked that flight and spent a month there. Uh, every single day of my winter break, I spent there. Uh, that's awesome. Wow. What was the Four weeks? What, yeah. What, what was the draw to go to Thailand? Just, it was just a crazy country. Just crazy country. Yeah. Perfect country for backpackers, cheap, um, easy transportation, interesting people there. You know, the food is good. It's warm. I was in Chicago area, in Iowa. So yeah, it's very cold. I just want to go somewhere warm. You know, that was a big draw. And, um, I told my friend this, you know, Morgan, right? Yeah. I know Morgan. Yep. Yeah. So I told her, yeah, I'm going. And she's like, literally like so down to go when she, when I told her I was going. So she booked her flight the next day. And I was like, all right, we're, we're, we're going to go to Thailand. And we didn't really know like what to bring or like, you know, we didn't really know how to prepare. And so I, I just ended up buying a 75 liter backpack and, um, throwing some clothes, some swim trunks, had a GoPro 
and that's kind of all that I brought. So, because yeah, that was like kind of your first trip you ever planned, like completely by yourself, right? Yeah, that was that was kind of the first like long, long term trip. I hadn't done more than uh, two weeks. Out of all the places you've been to, where was who had the best food? Probably, probably Thailand. Thailand, and was there bad Thai? It was pretty, pretty great. Was there any exotic foods you were exposed to? Oh yeah, there's a lot of um, strange insects that I ate. Um, some strange animals that I ate, and it's all normal over there. Oh yeah. Um, I ate a live scorpion. That was crazy because you you look at the thing and it still has a stinger on it. <laughs> And they grab it by the stinger and they, they hold it. This was before COVID. They hold <laughs> it and they drop it in your mouth. So the guy's like, I just paid him like 30 baht, which is like a dollar. And he takes the biggest scorpion in his box of scorpions, <laughs> grabs it by the stinger, dips it in some, some water. And it was salt water to add flavoring. And then he drops it in my mouth. And, you know, that was, that was something different because it was living. I had to bite it right away. And that was just a stand on the side of the road you came across. Yeah. Most of the food you eat in Thailand is a stand on the side of the road. Okay. Is that a lot of stuff you would try again? Or is that like totally off the plate now since you tried it once? I I would try it again. Depends on the group I'm with. Oh, that's just such a weird experience from like the culture they live at versus like what we live in. Yeah. And it's normal over there. They, they eat bugs. Like, I'm sure the younger generation doesn't do it as much. Yeah. Like, anywhere you travel in the world, everyone's got phones and everyone's kind of more modernized. Globalization is so quick nowadays. And, but the older generations definitely do do some strange things. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But uh, how about, like, you also spent a summer in Hawaii, right? I did, yes. And that was how that was a couple of years ago now, or when was that? That was um that was two summers. Yeah, two summers ago. Summer of twenty nineteen. That was some tough uh social media to watch because I'd be like, God, I gotta go to work. <laughs> and then, like yeah. the next day I'd see like Kyle like I'm just like sorry. surfing or something, <laughs> yeah. doing something cool. But no, that's yeah. that was cool, man. That was always inspiring to see something but like someone out there just chasing their dreams and stuff. So if you kinda wanna Yeah, like, I don't know if I was chasing my dreams, I was just <laughs> Enjoying my, my college days. Yeah. I mean, I would say you're chasing your traveling dreams. I mean, I don't know anybody yeah. else that went to no. Hawaii. Yeah. Then, um, so following Thailand, I, I jumped right into a co-op, went to Eastern Iowa, worked at a chemical plant for six months. And that allowed me to have the summer off. And so then I, I went off to Kauai and if you know anything about the Hawaiian Islands, you know that rent is very expensive. And so I ended up getting an app called Workaway. And that allowed me to, to live there for free. I worked like 12 to 15 hours a week at a hostel. And I got to live there for free, rent, rent free, and only had to pay for food and hitchhiking. So transportation wasn't really an issue. What was one of your uh, favorite experiences there then? Uh, the ocean, definitely the ocean. Yeah. Did you do some surfing and stuff there too then? I did do some surfing. I never got too good at it though. No, I always heard that's like a really big like time investment. But um, I know we talked before and like we were kind of talking about like the culture around like hunting and fishing. Because I know that you said some stuff about that when you were in Hawaii, you were kind of exposed to their culture. Yeah. Um, so the guy who hired me on to work at that hostel, he is a, a native Kauaian and he's not like um traditional Hawaiian guy. He's a, actually like full-blown white dude who was born there uh, and sounds like a native, sounds like a native Hawaiian, the ones that we imagine when we think of Hawaii like 200 years ago. But he, um, he was really kind of like connected to, to his roots there. He, he grew up in kind of like an outcast growing up with Hawaiians, um, but eventually earned his right to exist in that group and in that culture. And so um, he invited me out to go hunting 
to go spear fishing, to go deep, deep sea fishing and, and hunting for wild boar on the island. And it was kind of like my, my second experience killing an animal. Uh, the first one being Thanksgiving of like 2012. Okay. I shot a, a goose and we, we cooked it and ate it for Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, I hadn't killed anything since then. But this guy, um, the way that he kills the animals is interesting. It's very different than, than anything I've heard. Is He takes like five to 10 minutes to pray before he even finds the animal. Mm. He says stuff like mahalo keakua, which is kind of like thank you to the gods of, of, of the ocean. And so that was kind of one of the things that was unique for me to experience because this guy takes time to pray and bless the food that will be um, his to eat soon. And I never experienced that. And I actually pulled out my phone and recorded one of his speech sessions because I just thought it was so interesting. And I wanted to save it for later and show my friends. Um, all in the native Hawaiian language. Yeah, it's very different from what we do because I've never heard of anybody taking that long to say a prayer before going out and harvesting an animal. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that definitely paints hunting in a good light and like showing like For those sure. those, sure. those people who are subsistence hunters like that who are out there like actually doing something because they need the food mm-hmm. and like actually taking paying respect to the animals. Cool to see. Yeah, it's very cool to see. What do you think about some of those spearfishing experiences? And was that pretty cool? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I loved spearfishing. Um, I only had a pole and a, uh, a string snapper string. So it wasn't a spear gun, but that kind of forced me to, to swim faster and, and work a little bit t- harder in the water. Were you guys in wetsuits or no? Or are you just like, no, a- it was actually warm. So okay. we don't really use wetsuits out there. Do you know what I mean? Like, what were the fish that you guys were like spearing or? Oh uh, yeah, there was um, mostly tilapia and trumpet fish were what I hunted. And to be honest, those aren't, I mean, tilapia is pretty good to eat. Yeah. It's a, a foreign fish to the island. So the, the state there wants to eradicate tilapia from the island. So they're all for people hunting it. Um, and then trumpet fish is like a weird, long, skinny fish. The only reason I hunted those was because they were easy. Okay. And I would, I could get one every day. If I wanted to. <laughs> so I ate way more trumpet fish than I probably should have that summer. <laughs> uh, probably got a parasite cause they're not the cleanest fish, <laughs> but yeah, I survived. <laughs> what was there like any ever sushi? Can you eat those? Like, can you eat sushi? Yeah, like that? There was, um, well, sushi, you mean like, yeah, like raw fish. Yeah, there's a lot of, they call it poke. Okay. And it's very popular on the island. Um, try not to eat salmon poke because it, it's imported. And oh. there's no reason to eat imported fish when you're living on a tropical island. Yeah, right. So yeah. Most people would opt for eating ahi, which is tuna. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, I think, yellowfin tuna. Yep. You know, I've seen a few of those fly by me when I was spearfishing, but those are too big, too fast for, for me to get. Yeah, I know those travel really fast. Yeah. So wait, uh, that boar that was taken, was that for a luau? The boar? Yeah, the boar that was taken, yeah. A luau? Is that what it's called? Am I thinking about that right? <laughs> I don't know what that is. It sounds right to me. Like where they like have like the pig in the middle and like roasting it? Oh, yeah. They stick an apple in the mouth? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do stuff like that. They they're big into barbecue out there as well. Did you get experience like that too? I actually didn't. Okay. I didn't go to any of those. I think. Um, I feel like that's just a really commercialized thing they do anymore. <laughs> Wait, did you ever drink any coconuts out there? Was that something you? Oh used yeah, to? yeah, yeah. It's uh, coconuts everywhere on the island. So, me and my friend, we would climb coconut trees, chop down coconuts, and crack them open. It was incredible. That's crazy. Everything had to be so fresh over there. So I guess like when it comes to all this traveling, is it like realistic that like anybody can do this type of traveling or like, do I need a lot of money to do it? I think it's realistic that anyone can do it. Um, You definitely have to drop your standards if you want to spend little money. Uh, A lot of people think of 
traveling as, you know, hotels and, um, you know, convenient, convenient travel. Well, if you want to do it long-term and you have a budget, it's probably not going to be the case. Um, and since most people only have two weeks in the year to take off from work, they're probably going to opt for hotels. And, and I'm fine with that. Like you shouldn't be wasting your time, um, the two hours to check into a, like a crappy hostel. Right. Like that's, that's not something you want to do when you only have two weeks in the year versus if you're a college student and you have a whole summer or like all the winter break, you know, go, go the rough route. Right. Yeah. Go the, go the route that will give you more unique opportunities and put you in situations you probably never would have been in. How about like from like your travel? Was there a lot of people who said like, it must be nice to be able to travel as much as you do? Oh yeah, Definitely. Yeah. I feel like that's like, and I'm sure all those people thought that you were like, it was really expensive what you were doing. Yeah. The perspective perspective of it was probably that you're staying in hotels and just living it up. Yeah. And I like, I'll say it too. Like, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like you also live like a fairly simple life, right? Kyle, like you don't live like beyond your means and like traveling is like a pretty essential part of your life. So you put that like at the forefront of like everything you do. Is that my, am I correct when I say that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would prefer to, instead of buying like, um, well, I do spend a lot of money on camera gear. Other than that, I try to be minimalistic in everything else. So then I can afford to travel and have more unique experiences. And I guess the next thing we'll go into is like couch surfing. Like you're one of the first people I ever heard who actually couch surfed. Yeah. So um, if anyone doesn't know what couch surfing it is, is it's an app that allows you to find locals wherever you travel in the world and stay with them for free. Uh, the reason why I got into that originally was because I wanted to save money. And then I realized this is more than just a, a money saving opportunity. This is a really cool way to experience life the local way uh, for the places you travel. And so um, I hosted about seven or eight people in my family home and then in my flat in Ireland. And then I hosted a whole band when I was living in um, Ames, Iowa. Oh, wow. It was like six, six guys who played at the Memorial Union one night and they, they hit me up on couch surfing and they're like, hey, man, we, we can't afford a hotel. Like, can we crash at your place? And I just messaged my roommates saying like, hey, is it cool if six guys crash at <laughs> And they didn't really know what couch surfing was. So they were, they were like questioning me like, yo, this is, this is not really cool. And I had to sit them down and explain to them like, this is what I do. It's, it's completely safe. Like they have, they have good reviews. They're not going to kill us. <laughs> and, and it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I guess that's the biggest fear behind it all is that, you know, you're going to come across someone really sketchy, but that obviously wasn't the case for you. Yeah, it can be hard to let some stranger into your home, especially during the night. But I think it's I think it's pretty cool if you can, can get past that fear and and just do it. So how much have you couch surfed? Have you couch surfed quite a bit? Yeah, every every country I went to I couch surfed at least once. And how how were the families that you met along the way? Pretty interesting. Pretty cool. Good experiences. The, uh, most of the time I'm not staying with a family. Oh, it's usually okay. like twenties or thirties age group. Okay. Um, but I have stayed with a few families. So you said most of the people doing all this couch surfing is 20 to 30. Yeah. 20 to 30. There's, there's always a few um, older people like 50, 60 who, who are on the app and, Honestly, those are some of the coolest, most interesting uh, people that are on the app because if if there's someone in that age range that's using an app like couch surfing, it means that they're extremely adventurous and they've been adventurous for probably their whole life. And so they, they've got incredible stories and that's always fun to hear people's stories when you travel. Yeah, that'd be the coolest part about it is just meeting all kinds of different people in all kinds of different places. It's something I've never thought about doing, but it's really cool hearing someone else's perspective of 
you know, you've been there, done that. Well, I think a lot of, I think a lot of listeners kind of have a, you know, a closed off their mind to this like area of couch surfing because they've heard so many like either negative things or they have like bad perceptions of the idea of doing it. So I think hearing somebody like you have like a good time and good experience with it definitely can open up some minds and. Yeah, I definitely hope so. And, um, you know, to get into it, you kind of need that first review. Otherwise people probably won't trust you. So I invite anyone who's listening to shoot me a message and you could stay at my house <laughs> virtually and I'll give you a good review. That's a, that's a good gesture by you, Kyle. So what's uh what's your next thing you got listed here is a work away. Is that correct? Yeah. Work away. That's, that's a little bit different than couch surfing because it's, um, for if you want to stay in a place for a long time, usually I think two weeks is the minimum amount of time you can use work away for. And it's basically a trade off. You trade your time to work and then you get free food and um, rent. Oh, wow. And you've used this before? Yeah, I used it when I went out to Kauai um, for three months. That was an incredible experience. And I tried to use it a few other times, but realized my time was limited in those countries. So I didn't want to spend the week working when I knew I'd only be there for like a couple of weeks. So it was like a full week of work to be able to get all this free food and whatnot. Is it was only about like fifteen hours or so. Okay. A week. Yeah, but that like you said, that's still fifteen hours of your time there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's yeah, that's more for long term. It's definitely not worth it if you're going on a, a few weeks. I would say if you're spending a whole summer in Australia or like you know, several months somewhere, you're gonna wanna work with work away. Um it it's not only for saving money, but you're going to meet some incredible people. I, I met, um, so many interesting people through the hostel that I worked at. There was 12 other work away people there and they were from all over the world. And then I also got to meet people traveling through the hostel. So it was a, it was a busy summer. What would be your advice to someone who would be interested into traveling somewhere for the summer like you did? Um, I would say, you know, try and do it solo if you can. That first solo experience kind of gets you out there and into the world in, in, in the most authentic way. And so I, I suggest that they do that. If, they, if they're afraid to do solo, then, um, you know, just grab a, a buddy of yours who you can live with and just do it with them. And the thing is when you're with someone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're probably going to get sick of them. This happened with me and Morgan when we were traveling in Thailand, we ended up uh, spending a week apart because we wanted to kind of experience things on our own. And we didn't really get fed up with each other, but we just realized like, you're cool. You're, you're a good friend, but let's take a little bit of time to, to kind of go our own route a little bit. And that was healthy. That was, that was important for us to, um, have even more authentic experiences. So if you do travel with someone and it's a long trip, um, I suggest take like a few days or a week staying in a different hostel or going to like a different place to explore something simple like that will change your experience for the better. Awesome. That's some really good advice there that I've never even thought about. No, I've never even thought about that too, but definitely I can relate to that. I wonder if the same applies to hunting. Cause if you go hunt with, you know, another, another dude, you're probably going to get sick of him. Like, like he shoots the deer that you were trying to shoot. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. get mad cause you claimed it. And so you just separate, you know, I don't know how that works. Well, I always hear people talk about like, you really truly find out if, you like whoever as a friend, you know, being out in the middle of nowhere with them for a whole week. Yeah. Like I'm sure like, I'm sure your friendship with Morgan was really tested that time in Thailand. Yeah, definitely. 
So, I mean, you kind of, there's a few, a few lines that were crossed, (laughs) (laughs) but we learned more about each other. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, that's always good to hear. But, um, I guess one of the next things we had to talk about was, uh, your experience with, uh, your best life. Sure. Yeah. Your best life was an incredible experience. Um, so if, you know, most people probably don't know what they are because it's a startup and it's, it's pretty new and it's uh, Portuguese. So your best life is a, a company based out of Lisbon, Portugal, and the, the company sends seven people around the world for six months each year and just to go adventure and to document their adventure and tell stories. So half of the team is filmmakers and then half the team is um, social activists or, you know, for, for me, my role was the adventurer. So I was supposed to get the team out, engage with the community and um, get them out to explore, go on crazy hikes, do skydiving, swim with sharks, stuff like that. That was my role. And I felt very um, excited to be in that position. Um, uh, this, this trip started in the beginning of 2020. We went down to Costa Rica for uh, two weeks and then Peru and then South Africa. And it got canceled in South Africa because of COVID. So um, we didn't get to explore uh, all the countries, but it still was an incredible experience. And I suggest if anyone's interested, you can apply. And the interview process is pretty rigorous, but um, you'll you'll still meet some incredible people, whether you make it or not. So what were some of the things that you actually did with them? Like you actually swam with sharks and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I had all this incredible stuff scheduled. I, I had 10 days in South Africa to uh, schedule you know, the most adventurous week and a half for the team. And there was no budget. So he, which is the founder of Your Best Life, he said, hey, Kyle, we want you to take the 10 days to um, really get the team outside their comfort zone and explore their boundaries, but also your boundaries. And so I I booked everything. I had everything planned out. And we went uh, camping for two days. And then came back to a Wi-Fi zone and we realized the World Health Organization was shutting everything down. Um, all the flights were going to be canceled. We had to fly home immediately. So it was a big bummer because that was the 10 days I was really looking forward to because I had a job to kind of get the team out there, you know? Oh, wow. Hey, that's definitely too bad to hear. So uh, COVID's really probably affected a lot of like what you do for fun and your travel, right? Um, yeah, yeah, it did. It's, it canceled a, a lot of trips. I was supposed to go to Colombia to see my girlfriend. Um, but I had, I think four flights were canceled. This was during 2020. And so, yeah, that was, that was like a very slow year. Uh, but I, I finished up school. I graduated. And so it kind of got me back on track to focus on like, you know, getting a job and focusing on what's next, you know? Right. Yeah. So you said your girlfriend's from Colombia. She's from Venezuela. Okay. From Maracaibo. How, how did, uh, did you meet her on one of your travels? No, I actually met her, uh, in Chicago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not too far from home. She was just visiting or. She actually used to live in Chicago. She, she lived in Chicago, um, since 2014 up until the end of 2019. And the reason that she doesn't anymore was because, and Ethan, you know this, yeah. but she got deported. So she went to travel in Europe and, um, the United States is very strict with Venezuelans because of the political issues that they have with, uh, Venezuela. Okay. And so what they do to Venezuelans at the airport is they stop them and they, they go through their phone. This is not all of them, but this is like random checks. If they have a Venezuelan passport, they're going to go through, through your phone. And this happened to her when she was coming back from Europe after like a month long vacation. And 
Um, she is on a B1 visa and she's not allowed to legally work. Okay. But she was, I don't, I don't want to say working, but she was like helping out at her, her brother's restaurant. Her brother opened two restaurants downtown Chicago. And she was like helping out, like setting things up and, you know, and she had a work schedule on her phone in her notes app. And when the enforcement at the, at the O'Hare airport, when they saw her phone and went into there, they found out, you know, she's, she's got a job, which is illegal for someone with a B1 tourist visa. And um, so that was kind of the end of it. They sent her back to Lisbon, Portugal, and she had to go back to Venezuela after that, barred from the country for five years. Okay. Wow. It's, that's just crazy to me that they can like actually look through your phone like that and be that intrusive. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And the, the insane part of it is they saw my contact in her WhatsApp message message app and they called me in that moment when they were interrogating her. And then they started interrogating me. They were asking me all these questions like, who is this person? Where was she from? Like, why did she travel in Europe? Is she working in Chicago? And I answered everything to like as truthfully as possible. Cause like, I didn't really know what was going on. And, and then the guy like hung up on me as soon as I asked him a question, I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> can you tell me like, did she make it into the airport already? Like, and he just uh-huh. hung up on me. Wow. And, and then two days later, cause she was in the airport, like detained, no phone, no nothing for two days. And then they sent her back. So yeah, it was kind of, kind of tough. And, she was supposed to meet my family that week because it was um, Thanksgiving dinner too. That's horrible. That's definitely that's definitely tough. I guess I get why they have to be like that, but like to a point that just seems like really excessive, especially to like someone who's like as innocent as like your girlfriend is. So yeah, it's it's understandable why they were aggressive. Yeah, but I was surprised that they figured it out and they were able to, you know. detain someone like that and then send them away so quickly i thought there would have to be more time like in between when you get barred and you know well especially like there where it's kind of like a gray zone where like she was working but wasn't kind of working and like you know i just thought there'd be a little more leniency there but it just seems like they really throw the book at you yeah and that was um that was 2019 so before covid Okay. Yeah. So what drives your sense of adventure? Oh man. Um, I'm afraid of like boring experiences. That's what drives my adventure. With Ethan and I, you know, we've talked about this also, you know, I don't want to, for us or for me, I shouldn't speak for Ethan, but for me, I don't want to be at an age where, you know, I wish I did this or wish I did that. And you've obviously, gosh, you've been all over and you're how old? I'm 23. 23. And you've been to all those places. That's incredible. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say, I think you're like one of probably like one of the more inspiring people. Actually, I know Kyle, cause like you're out there doing what you want, doing what you like and like doing whatever it takes or whatever steps are necessary to make it happen. So I think like you're a pretty cool inspirational seed and that's kind of like why I wanted you to have you on just like a cool story to share. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to be on and to talk about these things. Like the past six months, I haven't really talked about any of my travels or adventures with anyone. Cause I've been like focused so much on work. So this is really good for me to, to kind of talk with you guys about and share. I, I love sharing my experiences because I want to help other people to, to see how easy it is to have such genuine, authentic travel experiences. Yeah. Cause for me, just sitting here listening to you talk, it's really inspiring to put yourself out there and, you know, not subject yourself to the normal, you know, normal life. I mean, you've been all over and put your sit- yourself into situations where a lot of people would be very, very intimidated going into it. And uh, I would say the thing that going back to that question, the thing that drives my sense of adventure, um, is because right now I know like a 
a lot changes in the college years and you're kind of trying to figure out who you are and what, what you want to do, what, what you want to be. And it's okay to take a few years and, and kind of be lost because you're, you're still exploring yourself. And I think in the, in these years, like to go out and, and to really experience new things and see what type of lives other people live, it gives you the perspective to, to kind of decide what, what type of life you want to live. And, you know, there's trial and error. You're going to see what works and what's going to be a failure. And I'm still, still learning this myself and, and growing and, and trying to figure out what I want to be, you know, career wise and, you know, my social group, my, the culture I want to be a part of all that stuff. I think traveling kind of accelerates that and also decelerates it because it could turn, it could turn your, your way of thought around 180 degrees and you realize you don't want to be like something. So it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword sometimes. So you do have to be careful with travel experiences because originally, you know, I, I wanted to become like a well-paid engineer and I'm kind of like veering off that route because of my interest changed and the, the way that I value money changed over the past few years. I realized I can have an incredible life and not need to be paid an incredible salary. For sure. So, yeah, I think like our generations kind of change in that in some ways where like we used to always be obsessed with like monetary value and like how much money we're making. And like, I'm even starting to see it with like jobs and stuff. It's like, yeah, I want to make good money, but I also want to like maximize the amount of time I have off and like the flexibility to do things I like, because what, like you said, like what's money if I don't have the time to do it. So exactly. Yeah. I guess it's actually like really nice to hear, like you put like a really well put together thought of like what traveling is and like what you can actually gain through traveling, especially like at our age. Because I think like people honestly like always look at travel as like a fun experience and it is like a really fun experience, but it can also be like very life changing at the same time. And like, I think like you can say like, if you didn't have any of the experiences, I'm sure you'd probably be a lot different person than you are now. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I would, I would be the Kyle from 2016. And I think the past four years changed me more than any four years in my life. That's incredible. And that's just like somebody just like you who just like took the first step and just kind of kept falling from there and getting back up and keep learning and kept doing so. Yeah. Lots of ups and downs along the way. That's for sure. So I guess um, the next thing you kind of, so you work as a full-time engineer right yep. now and then like you kind of side hustle is videography too. And that's yes, wedding sir. videography. And then you also did uh I know like a lot of your travels, you also videoed a lot of those, right? Yeah. Yeah. I made some random travel videos along the way. Um, just like cliff jumping out in Kauai. Um, I did some interviews with people when I traveled, small stuff like that. So do you have any tips for anybody who's trying to be like an aspiring videographer? Yeah. Um, anyone out there trying to get into that, if, if it's, you know, travel videography, just try to be, try to be something that is you. Don't try to try to be peop, the people online. Cause I guarantee you the people online will, will be better than you, especially if you're starting off. And so if, if what you want to get into is, is, you know, interviewing people or, or getting to know the culture, just go out there and, and, and just figure it out yourself while you're there. And, it's probably going to be lower quality when you first start off. Mine is still very low quality, but I think it's better to get experiences that are, are from yourself rather than, you know, from other people. I love how realistic you are and how willing to grow because a lot of people, like you said, I think just automatically expect to be at that YouTuber they're watching at their level. Like that's what they want to be. And I love how you said, just do what you're best at, not what somebody else is doing. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, 
a lot of content posted on YouTube and, and other social media channels. So it's kind of hard to escape that, but I think it's a lot easier to escape it when you're traveling. I know we talked about it before, but like someone like you, who's like got this really like wanted to travel and it's like, there's always like a need for like people who want to shoot like travel videos or even like backpack style videos and like backpack hunting. So, I mean, like you can kind of work your way into a lot of different markets through videography too. Yeah, and definitely. It doesn't just have to be like, you know, you shoot like for fun or you shoot weddings. So, I mean, there's something, there's a lot of different ways you can kind of take this to like a whole nother level and make it to like a real side hustle. So, yeah, there's a lot of different routes. Um, the reason I got into wedding videography is two reasons. One, because I know it's going to pay pretty well. And then two is because it's, it's the bride and the groom's most special day of their life. And so it's going to be fun. They're going to throw a big party and you get to be a part of that. You get to document it and you get to tell the story um, to last forever visually. And so I think that's pretty, pretty cool to be a part of a wedding videographer. So I really enjoy shooting weddings. Uh, you did ask me last week if I wanted to get into uh, shooting hunting videos. Yeah. And yeah, that would be, that would be incredible. I would, I would definitely try that out. It involves rigorous hiking. Yep. Super early mornings. Yep. Probably. And just like, I'm sure a lot of it is boring, but I'm sure a lot of it is like, you know, there's, there's like segments that are just like spiked. Like you're, right. you're anticipating like getting this shot and then you hit the heart and then the thing runs off, leads leaves a blood trail and you have to like chase it down. Like yeah. that would be incredible to document. I would right. love to do that. Yeah. That'd be yeah. awesome. It's just like a lot of things. I mean, we've touched on it before, but like as you with your travels, like, you know, hunting would take me to a lot of places that like are often overlooked, but they're like actually like really beautiful places to go to and see. So like having a pursuit like that, that like gets you into places too, is just awesome. Yeah. Where is uh hunting taking you? Well, uh, we're actually heading out to Colorado to do an elk oh, yeah. hunt. So we're going to be like in like, like 11,000 feet hunting. And it's just like, you know, might not be like a national park or what everybody saw it after, but we're also going to see some like really beautiful country. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. And and so elks are what, like 500, probably like a thousand pounds. How much do they weigh? Uh, They probably weigh like close to like eight, 900 pounds, but like packed out meat i think you're talking about at least like two to three hundred pounds yeah a lot of meat on them and that's on top of, on top of your equipment yeah so then we'd have to like pack that out and everything so that's like when the real work starts wow and that's that's really good meat yeah yeah like definitely like really high quality meat and you know where it came from when i when i shot that wedding video out in wyoming for my cousin um the guy she got married to he actually, so they live on a, a big ranch. They have about a hundred thousand acres and they don't own it, but they work on the ranch. And, um, with that much space in Wyoming, there's animals, there's bears, there's elk roaming through the mountain yeah. just beyond the ranch. And, um, her husband goes out with a horse and a compound bow and he just goes hunting for like a couple of days. And, uh, I think it was like a couple of weeks before the wedding, he hunted an elk, shot an elk and brought it back. And the whole wedding, like we, we just ate a bunch of elk meat cause it was all fresh. It was, it was, you know, a week or two before the wedding. So we, we just ate a bunch of elk meat and that was the first time I had elk. What'd you, what'd you think about that elk meat? It was, it was really good. Yeah. It was lean meat, high quality, fresh. I'm not like much of a meat eater. I've even done like when I was in Kauai, I did pescatarian. So I I only ate fish for three months. Oh, wow. And a bunch of plants and stuff. And I like that too. Yeah. I'm not really one way or the other. I'll try either or. So would like, is it just like a personal opinion that like you don't like meat because of the health benefits or like the more like the commercialized industry of like meat? that you don't like. I don't like the idea of mass farming. Yeah. I I really like the idea of what 
my cousin's husband did going out, right. shooting an elk, bringing it back. You know, you eat what you shoot. Yep. Yeah. And I respect hunters that eat what they shoot versus the ones who just shoot to kill. Right. And yeah. it's a quantity game. I don't really like hearing stories like that. Yeah, unfortunately, there is a lot of people out there who just go out and shoot it, take a picture, and maybe put a shoulder mount. Yeah. yeah. And some of these like bigger states, like I don't I think Colorado does it for sure. Where like if you were to shoot something, it's actually like a huge fine. I think it might even be close to jail time if you don't take that meat out with you. Oh, really? And like there's actually a lot of programs, even in the state of Iowa, where like let's say you harvest a deer, like you can actually go and donate to that. Like let's say you don't want to eat the meat. There's actually a lot of programs where food shelters will take that meat and actually give it to the less fortunate people. They'll take the raw meat. Yep. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Be cool to see that like there's people out there that are utilizing the meat, even if they don't necessarily like the meat. So Yeah. What were you gonna say though about the elk? What's the elk hunting season out in Colorado? Yeah, so it's like no, they like split it up into a lot of different different seasons. So like there's the archery season, then there's the rifle season, there's a muzzleloader season. But like when we're going out, it will actually be November twenty fourth to the twenty eighth. So over Thanksgiving. Yeah, that'll be that'll be incredible. Are you guys gonna you're gonna drive out there, right? Yeah, yep. we're driving out there. Actually, isn't that bad? I think from us, it's like 12 hours. So, what are the odds that you'll get a, an elk? I think yeah. it's like a, I think it's like close to like 25 to 30 percent success rate. But so. there's two of you. So, does that double? No, I think that might, <laughs> that might split it. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I just hope really it's like one of those things like it's cool to say that we're hunting for them, but I think it's just going to be a big learning experience. Yep. You're just going out there with what like a tent and yep. for a few days and you're just going to sleep out in the wilderness right yep. yeah and we're awesome. we're going to go scout at the end of this month or sometime around there just go out and experience the land get to know it a little bit and hopefully do a lot more tenting and knowing where we're supposed to be hopefully knowing where all the trailheads are at and it's it's going to be quite the experience for me because it's my it's kind of my first time experiencing all of that going out of my elements off into the wilderness that would be awesome how about you ethan uh so like i've actually done quite a few trips around the united states but like necessarily like not like really like remote backpacking like a lot of camping trips like we camped when we were in yellowstone we went to Glacier National Park and camp. Nothing like truly like hike 10 miles back. Got it. So that yeah. would be like my first time ever doing that. Okay. What do you guys bring? As far as like what? Like you wouldn't bring a tree stand. That's, that's too big. Right. No, no. Like, so like what a lot of times what you'll do is since we're hunting like such big areas, we'll set what's like up on like called a glassing knob. And it's like basically like imagine like a big spot where we're going to sit on top of like the highest point we can basically get to. And then we want like the widest area that we can see. So like a wide open area. And then we'll sit there with like binoculars and then we'll watch them and hopefully see something that we want to shoot. And then we'll stalk in on them. So that means when we say stalk, like hopefully get within like 200 yards or 300 yards to take like an ethical shot on them. Okay. So it's a lot of like moving around where it isn't like your typical Midwestern or typical hunting where you're like in a tree stand. So it's a lot of like moving, a lot of hiking and a lot of being active. Okay. So you got to bring a lot of cliff bars with you. Yeah. A lot of cliff <laughs> yeah, bars. Lots of yeah. snacks. <laughs> lots of calories. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you shoot the elk, are you going to cut it up and grill it on a fire that night? Yeah. yeah. That's like, oh, a, that's awesome. You yeah. got to bring the barbecue sauce then. <laughs> I think a lot of people, I think like the traditions usually eat the heart. Okay. Like, like the first you night eat you kill it. Raw, it. Right? No, no. I mean, uh, some people do, but yeah, maybe I might could. have to. Yeah. Maybe that should be a rule. I have a friend in, in Hawaii who um, went to Maui and, and with her cousin and they just killed a bunch of deer. And the reason why it's acceptable to kill animals like deer in uh, Maui is because there's um, overabundance of them. 
and they're not from there. So they're kind of changing the ecosystem. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, those are axis deer. I mean, there's no predators there. So there's like, no, they're just yeah. constantly reproduce. And exactly. I think there's, there's no season there. I think you just go there and hunt. I think so. Yeah. And, and she actually, the first deal deer that she killed, she ripped it apart, ripped the rib cage off and took a bite of the heart. <laughs> really? I was like, wow, that, that's, that's something else. And it was raw. It was bloody and messy. And she showed me a video. Oh, wow. It was just disgusting like, <laughs> to see that. <laughs> so wait, was that, a, you said that was a girl? It was a girl. Yeah. It sounds like a pretty badass <laughs> yeah, chick. He's does. from Ohio State. <laughs> Really, Jamie? I guess I didn't know. I've never, never met her. But I okay. We'll get we'll get away from the hunting because that's gonna <laughs> lead me down a rabbit hole. But um, so like, what's some of like your? I know you traveled a bunch, but like, what's some of your bucket list trips or adventures that you got like on your all time list? Bucket list trips would be to finish the seven remaining countries from the Your Best Life trip. So we were gonna hit up Costa Rica, Peru, South Africa. And then we're going to go to Reunion Island, which is uh, about 400 miles off of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. And, and then we were going to go to India, Bhutan, Myanmar, and Portugal, and Indonesia. And so I would love to go, go to those places because if it weren't for COVID, I would have, you know, spent a lot of time there in those places. So, you know, eventually it would be cool to go, go to those countries. No, it definitely sounds really awesome. And it's too bad COVID. I take that from me, but I'm sure you'll get back there, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I can't complain. I, I saw three countries and had some of the most ex- unique experiences. So no complaining here. So what is your next adventure? I, I don't mean you've talked off the mic about it, but. Um, the next one that I know will be going to Spain, but I'm going to be relocating there. So it's not a travel experience. It's kind of like, you know, moving and getting situated into Valencia. Um, so that's the next one. That'll be in August, hopefully, um, if COVID doesn't kind of change things. We didn't really touch on this. Like, what's your parents' perception of you traveling so much? Kind of indifferent, I guess. Indifferent, yeah. Yeah. When I first started traveling, like, my mom would message me a lot and worry a lot. Like, typical moms, yep. Why why do you have to go to that country? Like, why are you doing this? (laughs) You know, typical mom, right? Yeah. And I totally understood. Like, a lot of the stuff that I did almost caused, like, there were some experiences I almost died. In Thailand, I, I rented a motorbike and um, hopefully Morgan doesn't hear this, but <laughs> she, she had a motorbike. I had a motorbike and I was in front of her and I told her, hey, Morgan, the next gas station, we're going to stop and get gas. And like we're zipping down these tiny little roads down in country side of Thailand and I see a gas station. So I brake. And she comes around the corner and she whacks me oh. and there's a lot of traffic too. <laughs> and we, I fly off my bike. I was, there was a Thai girl that was traveling with us. She was on the back of my bike oh and, my gosh. and you know, I f- roll into the street, scrape my knee, scrape my leg. And I thought my ankle was broken and literally laying on the ground for about a second, trying to realize like what happened kind of dazed and confused, you know, and then a car swoops by about six inches from my head. Oh, jeez! And it, it, it was six inches that would have ended my life if, if it had been, you know. So I like woke up when the car zoomed past me and I grabbed the bike, dragged it off the road, grab, like went over to Morgan, like got her up, got her off the road. And that was like one of those experiences where you, you look back at it and you're like, man, I should have, I should not have survived. <laughs> like there's no reason why I'm alive after that. And yeah, I was just blessed to have survived it. But it so, made a cool story. <laughs> really cool story. Yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't tell my mom that. You know, okay, hopefully she didn't listen either. The story that she heard about that was the bike fell over, got scratched up, and that was about it. So, so always tell your mom a white lie when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Tell her yeah. the good stuff. Yeah. 
Definitely. Well, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Kyle. Is there a way our listeners can find you? Especially like if they want to like book a wedding or anything like that, like an Instagram handle or anything. Yeah. If, if they want to contact me for any videography stuff or even just like ask questions about traveling, couch surfing, um, anything in general, they can connect with me on Instagram. Uh, my username is P K Y L E G P Kyle G. So they can connect with me on there. All right. Yeah. We'll add that to the show notes, but anything else you had to add Kyle or. Thanks guys for having me on. It was fun to talk about, you know, some of my previous experiences and I hope to learn more about the hunting culture following your podcast in the future. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have to maybe retouch when you're in Spain and what's going on with Kyle's life. Yeah, sure. It's yeah. It's really, it was really interesting listening to you talk. I mean, something I would, I've never even thought about doing. It's amazing what you've accomplished and experienced. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for, for traveling. And Tyler, if you ever want to go and do something adventurous, like I'll, I'll definitely like give you some good ideas. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely contacting you. Yeah. You're from Iowa, right? Yeah. I'm from Iowa. I grew up with Ethan. Oh, cool. Okay. There's a, there's a couple adventurous places I want to go and I definitely know who I'm contacting now. Okay. I'm always open door. If you want to ask me any questions or just any suggestions for sure. All right. Well, thanks again, Kyle and everybody. Thanks for listening. 